So, on Saturday morning of New Zealand and Beyond Conference, a pigeon got stuck in the church foyer. The logistics and security guys did everything they could to get the pe- uh, penguin out. <laughs> penguin, pigeon, pigeon out. All right, but it got, it got settled on the, on the ledge high up. And so they tried everything to, to get it out of the place, but it wouldn't budge. So when it came to lock up on Saturday afternoon, it was still on the ledge. They called Bird Rescue, who said, get the pigeon flying, it'll soon tire and it will come down. But every time they attempted to dislodge this pigeon, I think by throwing tea towels at it and that sort of stuff, it would fly with fright into the glass and then settle back uh, onto the ledge. Soon there's blood on the window as it's injuring itself. This is a great story, isn't it? All happened at New Zealand. Don't ever miss New Zealand Beyond. It's the most exciting place on the, uh, happening around this area. Okay, so anyway, finally, bombarding it with all these tea towels, they managed to get the pigeon uh, to fly around, and as the bird rescue said, it quickly tired, and the team were able to catch the bird and release it outside. The annoying thing is it took over 45 minutes. Consider this. The bird was trapped in the church, but it was created to fly outside the church. Staying inside the church, it would never reach its potential. It would never fly. In fact, it hurts itself because it operates best outside the church, and like the penguin, like ping- oh, I've got this penguin in my head, like the pigeon, everyone say pigeon, help me, pigeon, right, like the pigeon, penguins can't fly, I don't think, like the pigeon, we can be stuck mostly inside the walls of the church, but it's only when we get outside to a lost world that we begin to fly We step into our potential and we flow on the gifts that God has placed on us. It's only then that we find fulfillment and we discover what God created us to do. See, inside the four walls, that pigeon would never discover what it was created for. The same is true for you. Same is true for me. If we focus mainly inside the four walls of the church, we'll never become what God's called us to become. That's why something like tonight is so important because what we're doing is anointing you for your calling to fly in the marketplace or in your home or in your school or wherever God has placed you. So if we function mostly inside the four walls, we don't discover what we're called to do But even worse, like the pigeon, can I suggest we can end up hurting ourselves? Why would we hurt it? Well, things just go wrong. We may get offended, lose our fire, lose our peace, lose our joy. Why? Because we're not functioning with the purpose that God created us for. And when you're out of alignment with God's plan, things are just going to go wrong all over the place. And I don't think it's by chance, friends, that this all happened at New Zealand and Beyond Conference, which has a mission to get Christians outside the four walls. So it was like a prophetic message that God 
sent to us. I want to thank Kathy Willett for working all this out and letting me know because I'm not that smart. But she can work, she worked that out and so she sent this through to me. And when I read it, I thought, man, that is amazing. That is really amazing. <clears throat> See, we're all full-time ministers, wherever God's put us, in the home, marketplace. You know, in the school, the community. But you see, as you see yourself as a full-time minister, what happens is you suddenly position yourself before God for His anointing, for His empowering, for His favor, His blessing on your life. You see, you can't function in what you don't see. You don't see yourself as an anointed minister of the gospel. You'll never function as one. You'll always be limited, and I would suggest frustrated. Why are so many Christians frustrated? So many, God, it just hasn't happened for me. My ministry hasn't happened. I'm, no, I'm made for more because they don't, they can't quite see that they're actually called to be full-time ministers. You see, the more you understand your role in this, the more God's gonna come alongside you, empower you, anoint you, and help you. Let's go to um, 2 Timothy 1 verse 9 because I always like to give a scripture to back up what I'm trying to say. And it says there, who saved us and called us with a holy calling. Wow, that's every one of us. We all have a holy calling. Tell the person next to you, you have a holy calling. Yeah. You know, people say, what's my calling? What am I meant to do? God, show me, show me. And he said, have a look at what, I, what you're doing right now. That is your calling. That's what I've anointed you to. I wanna repeat the three myths that derail the church because repetition is the best form of teaching. And I'll repeat this until we really get it. Number one is, these are, these are myths, all right, that immobilize God's people. The first one is there's two categories of people in the church, the clergy, like me, and the laity, like you. The clergy, like me, we're superior, and the laity are inferior, which is utter nonsense. There's no, neither of those words are found in the Bible. That You can never find clergy. I don't know where they got these words from, but they immobilize God's people because people think, well, the clergy, they're anointed to do the work of God and we're just there to kind of do our little bit here and there. It's nonsense, friends. The second one is this. The focal point of Christianity is the church services. I wonder how many of you, basically as a Christian and church, and you think, well, the main thing I do is I get to church on a Sunday. And how good is it going to be? How, what will the worship be like? Which, by the way, Matt and team was fantastic this morning. It was just amazing. It was so good. Um, but, but, you know, we think, oh, well, how, how good will the service be? Will people be saved, et cetera, et cetera. And so a real focus, you know, we do all our energy to get to church. But friends, that's not the, most fo the main focus of Christianity is not the church services. Because I want to ask you a question. Where are all the people we're actually trying to reach? They ain't in here. They're out there. The focal point of Christianity is outside the four walls. The third myth that derails the church is that marketplace ministers, you, are not as spiritual as church ministers, me. All right, let's get that clear once and for all. I'm the spiritual one around here and the rest of you are, well, also rams. Nonsense! I'll tell you right now, some of the most spiritual people in the church are actually not on staff. They're just people who love God and are out there doing the business and they're actually full-time ministers. So, you know, many people see church work as spiritual and everything else as secular. So that means, you know, if, if you see what you do as secular, then you don't really have to be spiritual to do it well. And why would you pray and seek God if it's just a secular job? If I asked you to come up and preach, I guarantee you would start praying. Am I right? 
Why? Because you see this as spiritual. But when you go to work tomorrow, I want to ask Christian, are you praying for that? Because that's just as spiritual as what I'm doing right now. It's all ministry. It's all worship for the King. I thought someone might clap at that, but anyway, never mind. I thought that was pretty good. I was even going to say, that's good preaching, but some of, the, some of the others do that, so I don't want to get into that, all right? But I might have to. Recently, I met up with two uh, unsaved school friends. And as I told you about this last week, as I drove to meet them, it was amazing. I started to pray. And I said, oh God, anoint me with your spirit. God, let my words that I speak be from the, 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 be the very spirit of God that will touch them and impact them and, 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 uh, and do a work in their lives. And I was praying for, for my meeting with two unbelievers, just like I pray before I get up to preach the word of God. Because probably meeting these two unsaved people is maybe more important or as important as what I'm doing right now. So I began to cry out to God. And it was amazing. The, the meeting just went unbelievably well. And God just gave me wisdom and, and spoke to me. And he opened the door. They both took my book. They wanted it. It was just, you know, it was just amazing. I needed God's presence. I needed his anointing in the marketplace. And I tell you, it was fun. Triple plus. You know, I told you about the hairdresser I've been inviting about 10 times to church. Well, she actually came recently with her, with her husband. They both turned up. And uh, I won't tell you what they said about the service, but anyway, they both came. And I think they, they said, boy, that is different. They said, that's amazing. And uh, so, yeah, they were, they were quite taken by it. They were surprised. So the first reformation was to get this book back into the hands of God's people. Aren't you glad you've got the book? Now, we're in the second unbelievable reformation. Do you know what that is? We've now got to get ministry, anointing, and power back from the, into the hands of God's people. We've got to get it from the pulpit to the pew. We've got to get it from the clergy, which no such thing that exists, to the laity, if that's what we want to say. But that's God's mission on earth. It's going to take the whole church, every person anointed with God's spirit and power to reach the whole world. Every one of us is to be involved. I've heard of a very well-known person who's a household name, I think, in our nation. But he realizes that his calling, uh, that his work is his calling. And so he goes to work at 6.30 a.m. before everyone else and prays for the whole office. He releases kingdom power. He releases innovation. releases honor and healing. He binds uh, and forbids contention, binds up jealousy, and he is, says in his own words, he said he has noticed a change in the culture of his organization. Let, hear me well, friends. Every single one of you here today can change the culture of the workplace where you're at. Every one of you can do it. You've got authority from God. You've got anointing from God. You've got power from God. You can change your workplace. In fact, God has called you to change your workplace. That's why I encourage you to be anointed by God's Spirit tonight. See, if nothing else happens, you might just realize, man, this is full-time ministry. God, I, I'm called to make a difference. I'm called to change wherever God has put me and wherever God has placed me. Am I getting through this morning? Yeah. You're really pretty quiet today. I guess most of you up at the Anzac Parade, we're at five o'clock in the morning, say, but bit weary on it. But that's all right. We'll keep going. I heard of this lady that um, held an executive position in her company, 
And she got a revelation. God was interested in a job, was interested in a company. So she realized, she said, I'm not just an executive in this company. I'm also the pastor of this company. And she said, these employees, these workers, even the boss, they're my flock. Hello? You're all pastors. Wherever you're working, I hope you're looking after your flock. Hello? No one else is going to do it. You're the most qualified person in your workplace to be the pastor. You're anointed. You're filled with the Spirit. You've got power from on high. They're your flock. Start looking after them. Start loving them. Start reaching out to them. Don't be, a, you know, don't be the one that's against everybody. No, you've got to love them. They're your flock. You know, the good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. That's what you've got to do in the workplace. So she saw herself as a full-time minister. She set aside time to pray for her company, her boss, her employees. And if I had time to tell you the story, she had flown the gifts of the Spirit at work. And they were amazed and thought, wow. How did God view marketplace ministers in the Bible? Well, let me suggest one, Joseph. He worked in Potiphar's house, didn't he? In prison. Then he was a politician leading Egypt. So in Potiphar's house, Genesis 39 verse 2, some of you probably feel like you're in Potiphar's house. Not a very nice place. Heathen ruler, heathen king, probably quite cruel. Genesis 39 2, the Lord was with Joseph and made him a successful man. Made him a yeah. And he was in the house of the master, his master, the Egyptian, who was anointed by God in Potiphar's house. That's you, friends. That's how God. How many of you see recognize that in the Bible, God sees Joseph as a mighty man of God? How many of you notice that he, he's seen as a minister of the gospel? Yeah, well, he was just a politician. He was just in the workplace. In fact, he'd spent time in prison. Genesis 39, 21 to 22, the Lord was with Joseph in prison, showed him mercy, gave him favor and sight of the keeper of the prison. God was with him. So maybe you feel you're in a prison in your workplace. Maybe it's a hard place. Maybe you find it difficult. Hey, the Lord was with Joseph in the prison, gave him success, and he made him ruler over the other prisoners. Then he was in Pharaoh's house. Genesis 41, 38, can we find such a man as this? A man in whom is the Spirit of God, anointed for the marketplace. Daniel's the same. He was a civic leader. Daniel 1, 17, verse 17, 20. As for these four young men, God gave them knowledge, skill, and all literature and wisdom. Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams. In all matters of wisdom and understanding, they were 10 times better than everyone else. Why? Why were they 10 times better than the other employees? Because God's Spirit was on them. See, you, friends, as you get anointed by the Spirit, seriously, if you acknowledge your role as a full-time minister, if you really accept that, not just come for because it's good to get anointed, no, no, God, I want anointing for my full-time ministry in the marketplace. I'm telling you this, God's going to start helping you in the marketplace. You're going to begin to excel and succeed way beyond where you're at right now. God will lift you to a whole nother plane. Let me explain it this way. See, I see myself as a full-time minister. Maybe that's, not, that's easy to do. But because I see myself as a full-time minister, I really pray and cry out to God to help me and, and to, you know, give me, to, to anoint me, to enable me, to gift me and all the rest of it. Do you know what the result of that is? Listen real carefully. See, I'm just Mr. Average. But because I see myself as a full-time minister, because I plead with God for his anointing, I'm telling you, friends, I excel way, way beyond my gift level. Way beyond. Way beyond. There's no, no way in the world I could do what I'm doing today 
if it wasn't for the hand of God and the Spirit of God upon me. Now transfer that to yourself. If you will see yourself as a full-time minister, if you will get anointed by the Spirit of God to come upon you, I'm telling you, you will excel way beyond your giftings. You will begin to excel, and people are going to stand amazed. How do you do that? I mean, these non-Christian guys I meet with, they look at me on amazement at me. They think, how on earth does this guy do it? But they know I'm a Christian, therefore God's helping me. But friends, the same can be true for everyone else. To God, we would get this revelation. It will change your life forever. You won't be the pigeon stuck on the shelf, smashing the window, blood pouring out of you. You'll get out there and you'll start to fly. Be what God has created you to be in Jesus' name. God's more present where the need's greatest. Greatest need's out there, not in here. There's needs in here, I'm not denying that. But the greatest need's out there because the greatest need is salvation. And God turns up where the needs are greatest. You know, as a church, we have tremendous momentum right now because more people are functioning in their gifts and anointing. More people are beginning to understand what we've been saying for years. You know, we've had a great harvest. I think in the last four weeks, maybe over 100 people have stood at the altars giving their lives to Jesus Christ. It's just, there's a man in the clouds. <laughs> They've got a sickle in his hands. You know, the attendances have increased in the Sunday services, both at West and the city. The city's really getting uh, quite big too now. Uh, they increased in the youth. The kids last Sunday had record numbers turn up. One of our department leaders who was on his own trying to run everything in the course of a week went from one leader to four key leaders as people stepped up and said, right, I'm willing to be a part of a key leadership uh, in the area of ministry that this person was involved in. It all happened within a, just a few moments. Then I heard this other story. One of the children after Kids Church recently said, no, they're going home to mum, said, I'm sad. And she said, well, why? I think I was there going. She said, why? She said, and the kids said, because I have to wait a whole week till Kids Church next week. How good is that? It's the best day, best hour and a half of that kid's life is being in our children's church at Church Unlimited. Well done, children's church teachers. Keep up the great. Give them a big hand, church. They're doing a fantastic job. Yeah. During this mission month, people's lives are being transformed. This is not just a good fun thing to do, but God's beginning, and it's happening to me as well. God's healing hands. Uh, you know, because most of our hands are somewhat clenched. You know, life just helps us to close up. But God's opening our hands up to be more generous, more, more serving, more willing to give out, more willing to reach out. And as a result of that, people are starting to put their hands up and say, okay, God, I, I've heard the message, please. And it, God's healing hands are opening up and people are beginning to serve more. If that's not yet happened for you, you know, expect it over the next this week or next weekend, by next Sunday night, we're going to end this whole thing up. But I, I'm, I'm crying out to God, and I feel God's answering my prayer of opening my hands up more, healing these hands, these hands to be more kind, more generous, more giving. This is a, a month not of information. It's transformation. And God's ready to transform us to join Him on the greatest mission on the planet, reaching a lost world for Jesus Christ. As a church, God's placed a breakthrough anointing on us, which means each of you have a breakthrough anointing. And you know the, the greatest need for the breakthrough anointing? It's actually not in here, is it? It's out there. 
It's where you go tomorrow, well, Tuesday probably, to work. How many of you need a breakthrough in your workplace? Give me a wave. Okay, about 10 of us. The rest of you obviously work in Christian organizations, so that's great, that's great. But for those of few of us who need this breakthrough, there's a breakthrough anointing um, that's available, and it flows best in the marketplace. So I want you to expect breakthrough in your family, people being saved in your workplace, at school. Where it, why don't you begin to believe for a breakthrough? You know, your, your workplace doesn't have to stay the way it is for the rest of your life. It can change. It can be transformed by God's power. There's an anointing of breakthrough upon you and upon Church Unlimited, so you can flow there. Look, there's a lady in our church, and she came along, and she was filling in those forms at the Glenn Berto meetings, and she, she filled in over 70 names. Wasn't that cool? Well, she continued to pray for them over the short time that she, you know, after, since she put the names down. On Good Friday, her sister and her husband got saved. Sunday night, they invited people to the baptism, to uh, family and friends to baptism, to witness the two nieces uh, being baptized. Four more family members got saved. Then on Good Friday, brother recommitted his life to Jesus. From those forms, seven saved in probably about a matter of two or three weeks in Jesus. There's a man, come on, in the clouds with a... And a... There's a man with a crown and a sickle. If that sickle is in your hand, come on, grab it and begin to bring in the harvest and your workplace, in your family, in your street, wherever God has placed you. I dare you to step in to that anointing. I'm gonna have to wrap this up. The tipping point. They say once nine to 11% people believe for something that can be enough to affect wholesale transformation. Nine to 11%. So you've got nine to 11% Christians in our nation on fire for God, we would take the nation. You know? But we're probably running at two or 3%. If that, on fire, I'm talking about. But you got it to nine or 11, we would take the nation. See, we don't need everybody. <laughs> Just need the tipping point. So in your workplace, you may be in the minority. But that can be enough to tip the scales and bring a transformation. And I encourage you to have a strong faith, irrespective, you might be in a 5% minority. You might be one in 20 as a Christian, or maybe 10%, one in 10, whatever it is. Maybe more than that. Friends, you need to understand that's enough to transform your entire workplace. That's enough to do it. Don't, 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 don't let the devil sort of say, oh, I'm just, there's just one or two of us and there's 18 of these you know, heathens out there. And we, no, no, two's enough, friends, that's 10%. Two out of 20 is 10%. You can change that entire workplace. Nine to 11 is a tipping point. And I'm sure many of us have probably got enough of that to make that difference. So you can help bring change of culture. You can bring in values of kindness, diligence, love, submission to authority, all that sort of stuff. You can see people saved and healed in the workplace. Revelation 1 verse 6 says this. He's made us kings and priests to his God and Father. We are all kings. Or queens, but let's just stick with kings for today. Tell the person next to you, you're a king. Mm, tell the person on the other side. Now ask them, where's your crown? You can, that, that's Bible, friends, and that's not me wishful thinking that my church was full of kings. <laughs> no, 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 you're all kings. Is that right? How many of you agree? Is that, do you, how many of you believe the Bible? You're all kings. You know, everyone say, I'm a king. Say it again, I'm a king. 
bit louder. I'm a king. Yeah, you're a king. All right, if you're a king, guess what? You have a kingdom to reign over. Is that right? You don't have a king who has no kingdom. The Bible says you're a king. You have a kingdom and you're to rule and have dominion over that kingdom. You say, I don't have a kingdom. Yes, you do. Your home is your kingdom. Your workplace is your kingdom. Your school is your kingdom. University is your kingdom. Your street is your kingdom. Start to rule. Start to take authority. Oh, there's not enough of us. Hey, 9 to 10%, that's a tipping point. Kings unto God. You need to exercise faith and dominion that God has given to establish the rule of God wherever He has placed you. You can do it. You might say, no, no, I can't do it. Okay, you can't do it. God in you can do it. God in you. How many of you have written, God can help you rule in your family? Yeah, God in you. But you've got to see yourself as a full-time minister. If you don't see that, it's going to be really hard to do all the stuff I'm talking about. But you're a king. It's time to rule. We had a prophetic word from Steve McCracken not long ago, and he said this. He said, and he said on the Sunday, the word to the church. He said, don't settle for less spiritual authority and influence than what God has for you. Most of us settle for way too little. Way too little. But don't do that, friends. It's a prophetic word. Step into what God has got for you. As long as a pigeon was stuck inside the building, not penguin, by the way, it could not do what it was created for. It could not fly. And also it hurt itself. During mission month, God's doing a work not just of information but transformation. People are being changed by God and discovering their true purpose and calling in life, what they were created for, which is mostly outside the four walls of the church. See, with that, friends, come greater fulfillment. That's the thing, one thing you'll discover is fulfillment just is unbelievable. I find myself incredibly fulfilled because I'm functioning in what God created me to do. But he hasn't created you to do what I do. He's created you to do something else. You function in that. You will find purpose. You'll find fulfillment. That's one way of knowing that you've actually found what God's called you to do and functioning in it. And with that fulfillment comes God's power, comes God's presence. Because God is most present where the need is greatest. As you connect your heart with the mission heart of God, He will fill you, fill your heart with Himself. You know, we connect with people who have the same vision. You know, we, we easily, easily dialogue. We easily have fellowship with those who have the same vision. God's vision is for the whole world. I'm telling you, if you get a vision for the whole world, God will fellowship with you to a whole new level. You know, at the Global Cafe, I just shared for a couple of minutes, I got started sharing, and just the heart of God just came upon me. I could feel His heart for this world. These are priceless moments, friends. You can't buy that for all the tea in China. You just can't. But when you, when you capture the, the mission heart of God, see, Jesus came for a lost world. That's the, only, that's the reason he came, friends. Forget all the peripheral stuff. He came for a lost world. Is that right? When you join with that heart of God, something will happen in your own heart. If the musicians would please come. Tonight, we're going to anoint with oil. And uh, if you would come along, if you want to do that, come and expect transformation Expect to step into a new level of anointing. Our mission is to mobilize every believer 
into the plan and purpose that God has for them. It's time to get the pigeon outside of the church walls. It's time for us to step into all that God has got for us in Jesus' name. Amen.